0: Jeff, you went to Nevada this week, because you live in a state where you can't gamble, and that is sad to me. It's dumb. It's really dumb. So you had to drive all the way down. to Did you stay in St. George, or did you stay in Mesquite? And go yeah,
1: back and so my in-laws live in St. George, and, and my on my side of the family, there's a condo in St. George. So what we end up doing is my wife goes and visits her parents for the week, and then I go down with like my dad and my uncles, and we stay in the condo. Mm.
0: Um,
1: and then we just drive to Mesquite. And then while we're not watching games, obviously there's a ton of Jeep stuff to do down there in, in Nevada and in St. George. So we do a lot of
0: Jeep and too. Nice. Well, how was were the books kind to you? The books were good.
1: It was it was uh, for me. It was a really finish? good week. Yeah. So I was up, I was up seven units when I came home. Okay. So if you
0: are not a gambler, welcome to one oh one. Yes. Here. Which you we actually probably I mean, we've talked about this on the show before, that our wives are kind of amazed that like we have conversations, like we have multiple group texts with other people that you're mm-hmm. in we have our direct text with each other we have our twitter dms we have we send stuff each other on tiktok we talk on tiktok we talk well, on instagram sending for, each other memes for we a no each- longer on tiktok till we're banned yes. and so oh gosh we could that could be a whole segment of that how stupid that was the <laughs> uh, you know so we have all of these uh different conversations and on twitter i think our most shared thing that we talk about lately on twitter is every time a BYU fan tries to talk about gambling, it makes Ooh. themselves look like an idiot because they don't know what the hell they're talking about. So, it's, it's bad. So the So units. A unit generally is 1% of your bankroll, but which if you're using sound money management with your uh with your gambling operation, but generally a unit is whatever your standard bet is. So if you, when you go in you put 5 bucks on this game, 5 bucks on this game, 5 bucks on this game, 5 bucks is your one unit bet. And so that kind of that normal's the playing field because you may be the $5 guy or you may be Celine Dion's husband who was running a quarter million dollars a week through the bookie at Caesar's Palace cuz he had a gambling problem. Good for that guy. And you know, you're doing you put down like five thousand dollars on every game and so a unit kind of is is a way to normalize you know how you did so if you were up seven units then that's a good weekend it was a good weekend it could have been a great weekend
1: so i was i was really heavy i was thinking about this i think it was my biggest bet my biggest single bet i've ever made Uh, If it wasn't the biggest, it was right up there with the biggest, but really heavy into Auburn plus five, their second round game against Houston. And when they go into the half up 10, I'm feeling pretty good. I got 15 points to play with, but, uh, and in fact, I think I got it at five and a half if I remember right. And uh, anyway, Auburn goes out and makes like two field goals in the second, like the first 16 minutes of the second half. And that quickly was the end of that. So I still went home up. So I can't complain, but I could have gone home like up twenty twenty five units if things Oof. would have gone well. So,
0: so yeah, I mean that would be uh, that would be nice. But they, so I'm trying to think of some of the the things that we generally mock in our gambling discussion. Yeah, one uh, of the
1: big things is that people have got to understand, and this feels really rudimentary for a lot of you, but for some of you, this is really important lesson stuff that you've got to learn. The over-under, betting on the game total, and betting on the spread is two different bets. So you yeah. can't take the over can't take the o- plus five and a half.
0: Well, I guess you, you can or Yeah, or they'll be like, oh, BYU's favored by seven and a half for Stanford. And yeah, like, give oh, me yeah, the over. I'm, I'm, I'm taking the over on BYU. No. It's like, are we talking about a team total? Because those are a thing. Those are All right. You can get a team total or a team just, half total. When you just see that
1: line and it's like, oh, BYU plays Baylor and they're a three and a half point favorite. You don't respond with I'm taking the over because that I don't know what you're talking about. Or the about. under. Yes. Yeah, there's... that doesn't make sense. And And I get it. That's very basic. But look, we're we're not real big gamblers here in the BYU fan base for obvious reasons. Uh, you know what else? This is kind of a weird transition.
0: Well, I know what you're transitioning to, and this is great. Uh I just had one more gambling okay, okay. thing that come up. The BYU fans, more than any other fan base, mix they say take the points when they mean to lay the points. Mm, yeah. When they say, you know, it's like, oh BYU's favored by seven and a half. Well, I'm taking the points. We're gonna win big. It's like, no, that's no when you take the points, you're betting on the underdog and when you yeah, are laying the yeah. points. You are take betting on the favorite. That happens. Taking the points does not mean whatever side I'm picking is going to win, like and, is going to cover. That's it's not that, the same thing. And that's that not confuses as if fuses you. Just stay
1: away not, from take the points, lay the points, and just say, oh, I'll take BYU minus seven and a half.
0: Yeah. Nobody's going to
1: get you weird for that. They're all going to say, cool, yeah, good for you.
0: Or just say, Kook's going to cover. That's it. Yeah,
1: something like that.
0: As you uh, don't have to worry about it. We're not big
1: gamblers, man. We're not big gamblers. And here's we my transition. We are big into Jesus. We're big into Jesus, but we're not big into the cross.
0: And this is, this comes from a recruit. Okay? Well, it comes right?
1: today's conversation comes from a recruit, but it was actually, I think it was my wife, somebody, maybe it wasn't my wife, I don't know who it was. Somebody asked me just in the last like 10 days or so, what do I think about members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints wearing the cross more frequently than they used to? And candidly i haven't noticed that that's a thing but evidently it's a thing and this recruit today i i have assumed he's a member of the church and then he's got crosses and so now i like went, i don't know and then this conversation came to mind of members of the church are wearing the cross more often and blah 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 so i asked the the all-knowing clairvoyant garrett mcclintock said hey what do you think about this and uh it really led to a rousing conversation that I understand the teaching, like, why, historically, members of our faith have been like, no, we celebrate the resurrection, not the death. So why would we symbolize the death? I'm starting to come around on... uh, I I am, too. For PR reasons. Like, the doctrine and the whatever, that's whatever.
0: Well, I mean, there's not even doctrine. I mean, okay, just because... Uh, James Talmadge wrote about it in Jesus the Christ doesn't magically make it doctrine, right? You're well, and there so, you know, go. And so there's and I totally understand of like, okay, well, we're celebrating that he was resurrected. So it's and I think the example I remember growing up in Sunday school, people would talk about was like, well, if he was shot, you wouldn't walk around with a gun around your neck. The way I remember shot. that example. Yeah. And it's like, okay, like I get what you're saying, but also when I have talked about this with my non LDS believing friends, they said the whole point. Is that he did die. Like, that's it. Like, that's why you are celebrating. His life was to die. Like, yes, he was resurrected. And so we focus on the resurrection. Right. Right. And that it was overcome and that was the finality. And there is some doctrinal things behind that, right, of when you're talking about exaltation and being complete. And that was the final thing. Even if you go back to like the Sermon on the Mount in the Bible, he says, be perfect as your father in heaven and imperfect." in the Book of Mormon. He says, be perfect even as your father in heaven and I are imperfect, showing that you cannot be perfected until after you are resurrected, even if you're Jesus. Whatever I get that, but also the sacrifice is the only reason that, like, you know, there's the present Hinckley quote of like Christmas is great, but without Easter, Christmas wouldn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Like the resurrection is great, but also without you can't be you know, resurrected the- if you don't die. Right. It's like it. Yeah. It's you're focusing on different part, but for the sake of marketing, like, if yeah, throw the- all that away. Like so as we throw, go into the Big Twelve, <laughs> and we want to be seen as Christian by yeah. our Southern Baptist brethren, right? Throw is all across that big of a deal. No, I don't think no. it is.
1: I don't think it should be. So yeah, I for me, put all the doctored stuff aside because you're going to teach whatever you teach, no matter what somebody's wearing, right? Right. Listen, missionaries are starting to wear blue shirts and tan suits now. Okay, if we can change that uniform, why can't we say that? Hey, look, if I want to wear some dye di- or some cross earrings or whatever, a cross pennant on my chain, I feel like I should you, be able to. I mean,
0: you just want, I was just picturing, you know, like Jaron Hall has his gold chain. And, well, you know, yeah. I, w- I would like to see, you know, it's like have a cross on there, get a little bling.
1: I like it. And I think that it would go a long ways, Like, frankly, uh the fact that we are like because it's not like a subtle like we don't do the cross it's like overt you know like
0: we make a point that we don't do the no, cross. No, yeah. i'm the not saying like oh so yeah it, put it on top of every right right right, 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 needs right to have it or put a big old cross at the yeah, front doesn't of every have capital. to place moroni
1: on the temples but like i feel like openly like rejecting like whoa that's not us we're not yeah. cross people that sort of gives like a little bullet in the revolver of the you're not christian crew and we are so like hey anyway byu show this is what we do yeah
0: this is another show
1: today it is pro day we can talk about sports now um i went to pro day when did i go to pro day it was like Dylan Colley's year or so, and Corbin Kapusi. So that's a
0: long time ago. my guy. Yeah,
1: well, I know. But what I'm saying is, like, everybody raves about how awesome BYU's Pro Day experience is. And I guess it was very organized. But, uh, boy, if you remember that draft class, yikes. And uh, it was very, very underwhelming for me there. So this year's Pro Day had more NFL scouts there, had more NFL potential there. So it Oof. was actually a, a a pretty
0: productive pro day. Okay. The uh that's good. then there were all 32 teams. Unlike... All 32.
1: Dude, think about how far they've come though,
0: cuz that was what like
1: 2018, I think.
0: Yeah, that's sounds Probably. right. Probably
1: 2017 yeah, 2018. Yeah, there was like four. Well, and they and none of them really had a realistic chance. I mean, I guess Corbin Kafusi's ended up sticking around on practice squads, but like it was like Michael Shelton and Dylan Call and it was like this this is pointless. Scouts were leaving in the middle of 40 yard dashes because, like, there was no chance. BYU yeah. went from that level of NFL talent to today. 32 NFL teams are there. Everybody's represented. Everybody's sticking around. And frankly, BYU put up quite a show. And it started, you got to, it starts with Blake Freeland. Like, Break Freeland was freaky deaky at the combine. Dude, he did everything. He was amazing. He was amazing. And he didn't do everything today. He didn't run. He didn't jump again. He didn't, wh- Why? You know, why does he need to? But he did, the like, three cones, and he did some of those agility drills, and he continued to just show out. I mean, the fact that he's a mountain and that he's able to move as quickly as he can, it's impressive. The biggest thing for him, I think, is going to just be showing teams that, like, his hips can be fluid because as mm-hmm. athletic as he is, he has a tendency to get stiff when he's going against fast, uh, defensive ends, fast pass rushers. He's a great blocker. He's able to recover well with his athleticism. If he could show that fluidity in his hips, boy, you're looking at a first round left tackle. I mean, he he's that yeah. kind of player. So like, well, great. And it,
0: who, okay. So if you think Blake, you know, Blake was great and he was great at, you know, he was great at the combine so Who do you think hurt themselves? um i mean or poker. was there anybody that maybe that helped themselves because i'll tell you one thing uh caleb pace my dude helped himself yeah like, he, he i was shocked <laughs> that he ran a 431 i mean i knew we knew caleb pace was good i think he's underrated i thought always thought he was kind of sneaky right like if uh oh god like chris wilcox can get drafted Caleb Hayes could get drafted, right? You know, you're not, you know, he's not saying he's gonna be a first rounder or anything, but I did not. And we knew obviously he could run and cover pretty much anybody, but I was not expecting a four three one no, out of he, Brother Hayes.
1: He put in the work and and at, at at worst, right? I think he secured himself an undrafted free agent contract. And there's a difference between a UDFA deal and a, a mini camp invite. You right. know, like uh our guy Lorenzo Fawatea is probably a mini camp guy, but Caleb Hayes, I think he secured undrafted free agent money. There's a few more guarantees. At a minimum, there. I mean,
0: he could even. He, he could I would sneak even, in. He could, if you're running a 4 3 1, like you could. Yeah. I mean, like, and a 40 oh. inch
1: vert. And I think he was at like, I can't remember if he was 17, 18 reps. I mean, which is, is pretty impressive. That's to, good. I mean, that's at a 4 3
0: doing right. that yeah so the uh oh that's a video i don't want a damn video give no. me uh so okay he did, here we go he did
1: well i mean he he graded up at the top oh, of most all, of like where he would have been i guess at the combine
0: yeah the here's at the combine the fastest guy. Yeah, but these are all grouped by freaking position uh no, i mean it's just so corners, corners right Okay. Uh, fastest tied linebackers, defensive backs. So he would have been the third fastest guy at the combine. Yeah, which is that's, great.
1: And I think you know they do laser times now, but I think you could take that four three one and everybody can like add a couple
0: of hundreds of a second. Yeah, at least. He, he would have been the f- he would have been the f- tied for fourth fastest overall.
1: But even if you take away the home field advantage of a pro day and you just say it was a four four flat, that's still gonna be. You're right there in contention, right? And 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 I don't yeah. think that it's a nine hundredths of a of a second off at BYU. So yeah, Caleb Hayes made some money. I think Puka, I don't think he hurt himself. I don't think he helped himself either. He was pretty I guess his 40 he got it down into the mid four fives, uh, which isn't gonna hurt his draft stock, but it isn't gonna like make he there there's questions about his health going into the draft, right? Right. And if you have health questions, but you go out and you run a four-four-two, people are going to say, "Hey, I still have those health questions, but I'm going to gamble on the 4 4 I don't think a four-five-five and his bench and his jumps and all that stuff. I don't think he did enough that his athleticism and that performance trumps the risk that his injuries are. So I think he, I think he secured himself a day three spot.
0: Yeah, I think at best, now he's looking at a six-round. Just yeah, it's, if six because rounds. Because he's never been him. healthy. He wasn't healthy in Washington, in Seattle. He wasn't healthy in his two years in Provo. He played games, but it's, yeah, you didn't... There's nothing that he did that made him worth taking on additional risk when there are other players available and other receivers <laughs> out there who may have had similar numbers or may have had worse numbers, but they were tenth of a second faster they didn't have the injury history you know and it's just with him like you know you think of you know maybe he is like a tyler algier where algier didn't do great either and it's but then you know the production was there and the dude could play so once he got his chance he he, well yeah similar with like austin collie right and right when he didn't get drafted high he got drafted in the fourth round by indianapolis and then you know peyton manning ended his career by throwing over the middle to him so much (laughs) but the um you know but he had you know, it, it's there's But he nothing... had two
1: years of tape, and and yeah. and that was the same thing with Algier, right? I mean, he had twenty four games of twenty five games in between twenty twenty one and Puka
0: played like how many games? Played, did he I, think, play? I think
1: he played eight this year, and 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 six or seven last year. So uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, from a from a potential standpoint, it's clearly there. But when you get to the NFL level, right? I mean. He's not a first or second round guy. He's just not. Um, And so you take away those super like crazy elite guys. And then there's a bunch of really, 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 really good players. And that's where Puka is. And if he gets a chance and he sticks on a roster, I have no doubt that he could stick in the league and, and make it work. But I don't know that, I don't know. Now you have to find the right situation and you have to have a little bit of luck. If you're if you're a first or second round guy, you're kind of creating your own luck. I don't think that Puka did enough to say he's a day two guy. So now he's gonna have to win by work ethic. Yeah. And he could do it. Chris Brooks Brooks looked great.
0: Dude, yeah. Brother Brooks was he was cooking. He's an Adonis he as harvey longy was on the broadcast when uh he was talking about him and harvey was like i ain't taking my shirt off holy <laughs> mo, but it's chris brooks is dude, he, he can he is a beast of a human i think he helped himself too he only ran once he ran a four five eight uh what was his exact weight i didn't see i didn't see um, his weight
1: either because i was too busy looking at how his muscles have muscles
0: like his biceps were flexing their biceps. Yeah, like
1: he's got muscles on top of muscles and it's pretty crazy to me. Um, but no, he, he did everything he was supposed to. Do. I think he had a, a 37 inch vert. The vert is one of these things like, cause nobody's ever just like straight up jumping. I mean, I guess a wide receiver or a corner maybe occasionally, but what the vertical jump shows is just, your like eth- like your burst, right? Your explosion from your, your lower half. That boy's got a big lower half, and he can get up. That's
0: explosive. Yes, he's very explosive, and they and I think he is a guy. I mean, he played well at Cal. He and Cal's offense has been awful for years, mm-hmm. and then he really struggled to find his groove coming in and going from a gap scheme to you know playing in a wide zone scheme. But then he he finally he found his groove kind of towards the end of the year and became very reliable. And so yeah. I think. He's shown he can play in multiple systems, um, yep. and I think he's another guy that like I don't. He will definitely get a camp invite, but I mean he's every bit. I think he's as UD good as not FD, better. I mean it, sure. it was it was Tyson Williams. Like he yeah. he got his shot and he stuck to the roster, and I don't think that there's any reason that um you know any reason that he can't either. You know that um you is know it, that he won't it really be able is, to.
1: It's time to start talking about BYU as a running back school.
0: I mean, yeah, we've I mean, like, got. I, I saw... I saw, well, It was the only school that had 2,000-yard rushers last year, I think. <laughs> I mean, right. I saw, a, I think it was a Cougar Board
1: post. Maybe it was a tweet. Where was the thing? Maybe you sent it to me. That was the somebody talking about Ed Lamb's recruiting genius, and he got the... Oh,
0: yes. Oh, my gosh. I don't
1: yeah, know where it, was, it came from, but wherever it came from, it was like, oh, yeah, Ed Lamb got this guy at Northern Colorado because of Fontana, California, blah, blah, blah. And it's like this... You know, he had this guy, it's a great gift for Northern Colorado, like an eighty-five guy had a few P5 offers, bunch of G five offers, and ends up committing to Northern Colorado for whatever reason. And it's like, holy cow, we're gonna miss that kind of recruiting success here. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Now, everybody who listens to me and has listened to me for even uh, you know, a, a week, I don't think I've gone a week without talking about it for five years. Ed Lamb is booty flakes, so <laughs> let's just forget that altogether. But even if we accept that, hey, that's an elite recruiting, whatever, maybe BYU will miss that, they won't miss it at the running back position.
0: Oh, what well, the only running back that Ed Lamb recruited to BYU was not even a running back at the time that he was recruited. Ugh. And he wasn't even a defensive player and the position coach that was upset about it. That even got stuck with him in the first place.
1: Yeah. So I, I look at BYU man and, and and from like Jamal on, I, it's hard to complain about the running back recruiting. So I mean, why, even, would you, why would you even like think that in your mind that uh, yeah, it doesn't miss, make sense? Cause, Cause it doesn't make cause sense. Cause who
0: have we had since Jamal? So let's see the year Jamal was out who in Algie brown and algae brown it was Algie brown who was, for a minute yeah he's he still had his cup of coffee in the in the you know or cup of ovaltine and yeah. you know some practice squads is kind of more as a fullback but the you know made his run but the let's see 2016 we had jamal 2017 we squally, had squally and
1: a young lopini
0: and a young lopini 2018 squally and peeny and peeny kind of that was his best year i think he had like yeah. 18 yeah. or 12 touchdowns or something 2019 was when uh, we had Tyson yep. for three games. And then that was the struggle year where, but then it was like Algier kind of flipped back and forth and it was kind of the, who's going to be the guy. And then obviously 2020 was,
1: uh, and then you have Algier and then Algier again, Algier uh and then year, you see, i mean
0: you saw Peeny was consistent there just like right there right. was a good change of pace every time but now the uh, yeah it's
1: and you've got I Aiden, Aiden Robbins hinkley coming this year, right hinkley rapati luve i mean you've just got guys and we're not even talking about lj martin because we haven't yeah. seen him yet and so like whatever whoever you were guy who was lamenting ed lambs recruiting first stop it because he sucks and second uh don't lament anything about the running back position. It's never been better. We're in the midst of the best ten year stretch of running backs in BYU history. So let's let's calm down on the rage about Ed Lamb being gone, folks.
0: Yeah. The, uh, everybody else, who, whoever's like, raging, just like go root for Northern Colorado. Just yeah. go root for the go, go Bears. They, the bears? Uh,
1: Lopini Katoa didn't participate in Pro Day.
0: That was surprising. Which me. I get. I, like, I don't
1: think he's an NFL guy either, but like... I mean, well, I we had he'd...
0: long snappers out there. Jake Oldroyd. Sorry, Jake, you are not an NFL dude, but he was
1: out there. <laughs> we did have the long sna- The Britton Hogan. I don't know what a long snap. like what it takes to get to the NFL as a long snapper. I have no clue.
0: Dude, but that one Denny brother, though. which I, was? Saw,
1: I, I saw Britton Hogan. He did run a 40. Oh, and I, I laughed there was no like vert no jumps no broad you know no but he had a 40 yard dash it was like why <laughs> well, what are Dude. what are we doing here so oh, that was fun gosh,
0: me. John Denny it was John Denny was the Denny brother who uh was in the NFL as a long snapper did He's you a, I didn't did you even realize that he played for this long that John Denny as a long was like 20 snapper. years he played from 2005 he retired In 2019, Uh, he made $11.8 million in the uh, NFL as a long snapper, including multiple seasons where he made over $1 million. I think that's the job for 15 years for the friggin' Miami Dolphins.
1: Yeah, good for him. So, like, I hope Britton Hogan makes it. I hope you do. I I don't know what it takes. I have no clue. When BYU posted pictures and like pre combine hype stuff on Twitter. I don't even know who Britton Hogan was. Like I circled him and sent it out to everybody I
0: know. Was you like, said I'm pretty confident. Guy? I've never seen these three people before in my life. <laughs> yeah, and it was uh, Houston Hamili without his mustache. That I Matt feel justified. Criddle, and Britton that. Hogan.
1: I feel justified because one, it was a slim down Houston Hamili, and he didn't have yeah, a mustache. A, I asked
0: I asked him how much he said he lost, and he said he dropped about 15 pounds, yeah. so like or 20 pounds I
1: I can't be held responsible if I don't recognize you after you transform your body.
0: That's true. And the other two,
1: I can't help be held responsible because literally nobody knows who you are outside of like your mom and your brother. That's
0: true. And, And the only, I mean, people know, but let's be honest, there's only one game and one reason that we know about Matt Criddle. And we have been surprised that somehow he still had eligibility running through 2022 because we only, everyone, the permanent memory is 2018 Matt Gretel. Unfortunately. That sucks. And that's what sucks. Cause
1: like he shouldn't have ever been on the field. He got thrown into a spot where like that
0: sucked for him. You don't talk about Ed Lamb recruiting. So well, how did we end up in that situation? <laughs> uh, so that was pro day. I think what is, okay. So let's, I mean, no, we're not going to do this right now because we got to have content next month when the draft actually rolls around. (laughs) Um, But if we're talking about pro days, there are apparently Zach Wilson is trending on Twitter right now because everyone is saying that Will Levis is the next Zach Wilson just because of what he was throwing and how he looked. Because Zach Wilson, I mean, he had that throw to Aleva Hifo on his pro day or was it to... uh, I uh, no, I think, was, I think it was it was one of the two. Yeah, But as he had that throw on his pro day and everyone was like, oh my gosh. And it's not Zach Wilson's fault. It literally is and every the, year. There is a guy who's like that. Like the, it was Daniel Jones. Jones it was, we're
1: convinced of Zach Wilson before that throw.
0: Anyone who has bought the Will Levis hype. I don't understand it, but also, uh, you already bought it. His throw day was not going to, the thing is a throw day for someone who's a top pick, a throw day never changes anybody's mind. Yeah. No, even bad. Unless, throw day, it's like, okay. It's like, oh, well, you know, he had an off day. His, his tape does the talking. He had an off day, right? Unless you are Caleb pace type where it's like, oh yeah, there's this corner I means whatever. But then it's like, oh, well he ran what? Okay. Yeah. We're going to bump him from his mini camp invite to a seventh rounder, whatever <laughs> like the fringe guys can get moved up. But it's like you're not wholesale changing anybody's mind because even like, yeah, Caleb Hayes had a phenomenal day, but nobody was ever talking about him being a high draft pick. So he didn't really change anyone's mind. He just said, well, like, yeah, we want to make sure we get him in the door to get a look at him before we cut him instead of talking to his agent and getting him a camp invite before we cut him. Yeah, you know, that's what. It's, it's a brutal not. business, man. It's brutal, man. Imagine you're being those...
1: hired knowing full well that you're going to be fired in like a month. Yeah, and the, like even I mean, temp, the big... even temp workers have more job security than like non-draftees going into the NFL.
0: Dude, not even non-draftees. It's like dudes who are drafted in the that's true fifth round or higher. Like yeah. it's it's the when does, sixth. When does... your seventh rounder like?
1: Isn't it fifth round? Fifth round is still guaranteed. Some of the money is guaranteed. But after that, like, it's a crap. I mean, shoot. you get guaranteed like you, you know, you. Yeah, it's guaranteed $100,000, $100, not guaranteed millions. But there's yeah, still I don't some know the, that you'll get.
0: Yeah. Like, you'll get a signing. bonus. it might be like, you know, Zane Anderson that when he signed with the bills this week, got like a $5,000 signing bonus or whatever. But Good for him. Dude, he made, he made 600K over his last two seasons playing hey, Chiefs, it, just being on the it, practice squad and then getting like suiting up for like three games, made if, 600K, if he, 600 k he's in a Super Bowl ring, If baby. he sticks on the roster with the Bills, I mean, I think he gets like a million this year. Yeah. So it's good for him. The, yeah. It's amazing what playing at the right position instead of being told you're a linebacker will do for you. Well, and playing at just one position. I and have no doubt in my mind. Photo BYU ever had.
1: He could have been one. He could have been a great linebacker, but you know what? He couldn't be is a great linebacker who plays safety sometimes, but then linebacker the next week, and then goes back to safety occasionally. Yeah, like I mean Kyle, uh, Kyle Van Noy. I mean, yes, him too. Fred Warner's is as good of a cover linebacker as there is in the NFL. But uh, I'm pretty confident that if you put that All Pro best linebacker in the NFL at the safety position. He's going to get exposed in a hurry. And uh, yeah, that was the defensive philosophy by Booty Flakes Ed Lamb for like five years. So was,
0: let's put a 200-pound safety at linebacker and then wonder why they all have shoulder injuries as they are shedding. Instead of just tackling a 200-pound line a ball carrier, they're going up against a 300-pound lineman and trying to shed blocks every you know play. and So bad.
1: Just Dude, so bad. Uh, I feel like we really shit on Ed Lamb this this week, but like he's you been shitting on us for the last several years. So <laughs>
0: here we are, we are here. Uh, so we did the only other real BYU news is uh, that there was a new university president who was installed, and it was I actually I took stats one twenty one from Shane from Shane Reese, and he is, how tall uh, a, is he? Because I saw pictures of him today, and that's a short man. Yeah, he's. I don't know. How, he's shorter than me. He's not that tall, oh. but he's also Kevin Worthen is tall. I mean, Kevin Worthing played basketball at East. It was a CE College of Eastern Utah. Whatever. Right. Went back. He played but JUCO like, ball. I know that he's like. I know that Worthen's like six four. Reese's pieces was shorter than Kalani. Yeah, he's he's probably like he's like a five ten five nine five ten guy. Um I don't
1: know. I don't. I mean, look, I all the respect to our short kings out there. I start to really judge you if you're not six feet. Dude,
0: they, you know, maybe, but he, he is a, I mean, oh, this is not, I not cause Kevin was a big sports guy, right? I mean, he was a collegiate athlete, played basketball at the junior college level. And he, uh, and you know, he navigated BYU through independence and oh, yeah, pushing great. and got us into the big 12. And he should, be he should have a yep. statue for that yeah of you know uh, there should be a statue outside the sab of like kevin worthen and there, tom homo with their arms really around each be. other
1: like so here's the thing i was talking to somebody this week who who knows stuff and uh, like the way that they described it tom homo has about 10 percent of the power that fans think he does in terms of like his influence within like what byu is able to do because of the way that BYU is governed, right? So he has about 10% of the power that that people think he does. Uh, Kevin Worthen has a lot of that power. Now, he's still like the university president at BYU is still not like the all-knowing, he gets to decide anything and everything. He still reports to, you know, his bosses. There's still a chain of command in in place there. But uh, Kevin Worthen was just as influential as as Tom Homo in any of this stuff that's happened over the last ten years. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kudos, whoosh, Kevin.
0: And if we talk about, I mean, we're going to get into some alignment here. It's like it's really it's the university presidents who decide all of that, and that's the big rub. And everything we're saying is the pack is there. You know, they're saying it's like you know, there's these schools that just don't care about sports. Their administration doesn't care enough about sports enough to where it's you know where like if you're in the SEC. If you are, you know, I don't even know who, I know that Greg Burns is the athletic director at Alabama. I have no idea who their university president is, but I know that whatever he says they need, the university president just says, okay. Yeah. And it happens. Yeah. Where in other schools, you know, Wes, it's, oh, well, we need to do the sports needs it. Like you think at Cal, the athletic director at Cal has much say in what the university does. Nope. No, like No, and so, absolutely and, not. And so it's, we're a lot closer to the, we're very West coast in that regard. And there it's a lot of it, things have happened because of K Dub and what he did. But, you know, Shane Reese, he is, you know, he talked about one of the things I talked about in his stats class was that he hates punting. And I think he, I pray to heavens that he talks about that, you know, with, with Kalani as he meets him and says, mm-hmm. Hey dude. Don't punt. Just go for it on five I hope down. he puts it's, it in his next two.
1: contract. Yeah,
0: go for two. It it the risk assessment is there that you gotta you go for two and you get it more than half the time you're gonna come out ahead and create the separation. And the so he doesn't like punting. He likes going for two. He likes being aggressive. He also did some consulting for USA Volleyball and did a lot of stat stuff. And I know the because of him, he's actually he's a really big volleyball guy. And uh, the, the men's and women's volleyball teams they have like a team of assistant like they basically they the volleyball programs had data people before basketball or football did because he was so into plugged into USA volleyball and doing things there and so were um I can't think of their last name, the brother and sister who are the coaches of the volleyball teams. Their dad was the head coach of USA volleyball for a long time. And so they, uh, Homestead Olmstead like that. The Olmsteads were like, and so they were like, Hey, we want to use you. And so there was like this group and it was like a class you could take on campus in the stats program of working with the volleyball team to do stuff and like give them stuff. And they've been doing that since like forever. I'll tell you what
1: blows my mind about everything you just said is that, there are people who are big
0: volleyball guys And i mean
1: i can't wrap my head around that like look i get that it's fun and blah 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 and everybody every time i mention volleyball people freak out oh you gotta go to a game like look it's fun to go bowling on saturday nights too but nobody's a big bowling guy and so it just like blows my mind that there are people out there that are big volleyball guys but like hey good
0: you know more power to it hey, if you Pay me, I will cheer for your sport. And I don't know if he was a big volleyball. Maybe he played growing up. I no, don't know. No, he's too short. He's the no, no. He's Reese's, big, Reese's
1: no. pieces. We just talked about it. That man's only he's like five arrows. He's the short guy. Call him the shots. I, I guess I don't know. Maybe they have short guys. I, I really yes, don't know. Yes, they
0: do. The look, the, the you have the libero is like the dude who runs the is like I don't even the, know what the, is that a
1: name or is that a word? Yeah, it's
0: the name of a position and like so the BYU has two liberos on their team this year or That's three in it. a, a position? Yes, it's a, a position. Libero? Libero. And the starting libero at BYU right now is 5'8". Good night
1: a libero what a stupid name for a dumb sport Dude,
0: it's a oh, um, the volleyball libero you asked it comes from the italian word for free like libre whatever oh they also they did the libero wears a different colored jersey and oh. basically so he's the captain it's kind of like a it's like a not like a cat it's like a designated hitter so what? it's like because you know in volleyball you have to like rotate positions you remember that from mm-hmm. elementary school no i don't know yeah. So it's like you rotate. I, mean, I guess six, now that you
1: mentioned that, I do remember you did have to rotate. So basically I just thought that was a gym thing. I didn't think that was a volleyball.
0: thing. No, that's like a volleyball thing. So the libero is like you can, when somebody gets to the back row of the rotations, you can basically pull out one of your big, tall, lanky dudes. Who's not going to be very nimble. You can pull them out and put in like a designated hitter who can actually move across the court better because they're smaller. Mm. Who can just chase down balls because they're faster. What and then world. they only play the back row. And so you just like, it's like a designated, it's the designated hitter of volleyball. Just think about that. <laughs> well, I hate it. So we are covering all the sports here. Let, at, at let pitchers hit. I hate let, the
1: DH. So the little bear it, okay. get out
0: of here. How do you feel about the DR that the, uh, I think the pioneer league, since they're now independent, your Ogden Raptors are, if they're even still playing, I don't know. Yeah, is they're that, not affiliated as an MLB? I don't remember how they do it. A, is it just for catchers and pitchers? So they just have the same way the pitchers have a it, DH. It's like they have a designated runner, right? That you can do for any,
1: Oh, it's for anybody.
0: Uh, so yeah, it's like, you got, you know, big poppies, your first baseman and he's <laughs> fat and slow. You are putting him out. Like you are having him as you have a designated runner that if he gets on right. base, you're going to swap him out with a pinch runner and it's going <laughs> to happen every time. And that doesn't, you can do that every time you have a as designated a, as runner
1: a, as a baseball purist. I hate it. But as the guy who would be subbed out for the designated runner, <laughs> give me you. that shit every time I'm on base. Okay. I, when I play okay. softball, I have to tell people. like I, 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 I distinctly remember this happening just last summer when I was playing. I was on first. I had just hit a single. And somebody puts a ball in the gap. And I stopped at second base. And they were like, Jeff, why didn't you score? And I said, well, did the <laughs> ball go over the fence? And they were like, well, no. That's Why? <laughs> This is a base-to-base operation here, folks. Unless it goes over the fence, I'm not legging out a three-bagger in rec league softball. That's just not going to happen. So, yeah, I mean... If I'm playing Pioneer League Baseball, give me the DRs so that I don't have to leg out a double.
0: Dude, I think, what else do they have? I think they instead of extra innings, they do like soccer, like PK or hockey, like a shootout. It's like a home run derby. And yeah. you, get, you pick a batter and get five balls, and how oh, many hom- man. homers you hit, that's the tiebreaker. I'm
1: so in. It's a little Savannah banana-y, but I dig it. Uh, speaking of Savannah bananas, I bought a Savannah banana hat this week. I don't have it Dude, a I
0: need to order one. I did not win the lottery, so they... Uh. They're here next weekend. Actually, they will be here. They're here. They're doing three nights in Phoenix. I put in. So the way they do it is it is a lottery and you have to put in for the lottery. And then you just found out like, Hey, you got tickets or you didn't. And the tickets were like 20 bucks or 25 bucks, including all the fees or whatever. They were like, we're not doing this. You cannot resell the tickets. If you're, they are like scanning or somehow worked with like Ticketmaster, whoever, That if your ticket gets listed on like StubHub or something like that, they invalidate the barcode and then reach out and then go down that lottery list and say, hey, this barcode, like this is invalidated. This person no longer has tickets. And then there's like a waiting list of people because they're like, this is, we're doing a lottery. We're going to do it fair. We want it to be cheap and accessible to whoever's here. Like we don't care that we're passing up money by not doing this bid or whatever. Like this is how we're doing it. So and the only
1: way you're getting into that game is like an old school scalper outside the stadium,
0: basically. Yeah, if someone uh, like printed them, and and that's yeah, that's the only way to do it because they are like, if you listed on StubHub, we will invalidate your thing. Is what they said. I don't know. If, maybe I, it's a threat. I, I hope more but people. But that's what do they said. That. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, you can say what you want about like, well, people want to pay more, or whatever. It's, yeah, if you are mad about the secondary flipping of tickets and people buying tickets to make money off of them. That could easily be stopped if you just made them non transferable. Yeah. It's well, like, I mean, it, it
1: will suck because it'll be harder to get tickets, but tickets That's, will be affordable you know, there, when you there, get
0: there's them. no solo- only trade offs. But so, speaking of baseball, wait, wait, wait before- hold on.
1: My, my Savannah Banana hat, oh, it's yeah. from baseballism, not from savannahbanana.com. Okay, it's baseballism a rally. Cap. has great stuff. And I like their snapback hats a lot. Their fitted hats fit weird, but their snapbacks are good. But it's a rally cap. So, you know, like you're you're down in the ninth inning and you flip your hat inside out for the rally cap. This mm-hmm. is an inside out hat, but it isn't inside out. Ooh. Yeah. So I like that. It's gonna fit normal because you don't have the, you know, I don't want the button driving into my skull and trying to like right. reincarnate the soft spot on the top of my head. So they've they've adjusted, but it looks like it's inside out. They've got the tags and everything. It looks good.
0: Dude, that's great. They, so I'm excited about with, it. Uh, with Baseballism, or have you seen, um, did they have so many, they have like their Griffey collection yeah. that is like everything yeah. is great about it. But they, and they've got like the couple different players, but dude, like the Griffey one with it's like the backwards hat in the chain and just him blowing a bubble with the eye. such a good logo. And they have so many great things. One of them, they, I have a Baseballism shirt that says, uh, uh, was it? I can't even remember. Is it it's, the six, uh, four, three one? Yes. It's there. I'm trying to think of like, it's four, three, two. I've lost my train of thought. It's yeah. It's like six plus four plus three equals two. And I right. was like, I would wear that to work all the time. And people would be like, "What? how, how that's not math. Like, how do you, you can't trust a data guy who says that. And I'm like, I can't trust someone who doesn't get this reference. Amen. But the, um, but speaking of baseball, did the world baseball classic was amazing.
1: Yeah, that was
0: the one game. I went to frigging sucked. No, but, I mean, my father in law thought it was great, but he was playing both sides. So he always came out on top. But right. the, the, that Mexico game was when they lost by like 10 runs was awful. Yeah, they almost got the World. But the dude, that tournament though was so much fun having like two straight weeks of playoff level baseball and in intensity. But then you have like, Here's this random seventeen year old kid from Japan. These school teachers from the Czech Republic. Who's like, I'm an accountant and a history teacher, and I play in a rec league because that's all we have in. in I love it, Prague.
1: The only thing I wish, I I just wish it wasn't during spring training. Like I I wish, I almost wish they would do it like, uh, you know, like soccer in the World Cup. But like, just take a two week break in the middle of, of the season every couple of years. I'm down. It
0: goes support yeah. your
1: American team or your so, national team. I mean, they're team. doing
0: it. In, the one thing, the reason, honestly, the reason that the U.S. lost to Japan by one run, which also it's like picture perfect, right? Like Otani striking out Trout for the final out of the tournament. Like you can't script the it better biggest, than that. The biggest moment in either of their careers. Okay, shut up.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> the, they're only like three or four weeks away from being eliminated from playoff contention.
0: Hey they will start out good in april and then lose 20 straight games again the <laughs> the reason that the us lost was because the usa baseball logo with like the u and the s it's and the star bad. is awful it is like 2003 microsoft word clip art level no, i legit of think logo. it is
1: I, I would play at usa baseball camps and it was that logo when i was in junior high so legitimately like 2002 2003 it's yeah, that old. it's like
0: just go with a straight block like USA or something like, and just have a plain star. I don't know,
1: dude. I didn't even take the Great Britain ones that were just like made the in MLB the show in. that were just Great Britain screen printed on a gray shirt. That was they better were, than the USA logo, yes,
0: dude. They were just awful. But they that was such a fun tournament. I had a blast watching it. Um, kind of sad that's over. I mean, they're doing it again. They there was like who's kind of up in the air of if they were because people were like. This isn't meaningful, or there's too many guys that are going to sit out and not play because they don't want to get hurt. It's a dumb tournament, blah, 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 blah. And then it was the ratings were through the roof. Oh, yeah. They created insane demand. There was the pool play in Phoenix, got more in their like 10 games that they hosted here than the entire Oakland A's season did last year. <laughs> Like people no, I think came out. Awesome. It was so much fun, yeah, and, and, and it was and awesome. players
1: players who are afraid of getting hurt. And really, it's not players because I think most players would play. It's it's owners and teams who are afraid of their players getting quit being so soft. I mean, Reese Hawkins Reese Hoskins played a regular spring training game for the Phillies and he got hurt. So it's not like you're eliminating risk. You're just putting risk yeah, under a like different. What, you're house. putting
0: three more games in out yeah, of 162. It's, it's, it's what is stupid. it's dumb. it's. So there was—I don't remember who it was—that was like because there were a couple pit, like a lot of the pitchers were on, which was the U.S.'s biggest issue. It was like the biggest pitchers didn't pitch because they were all worried about their arms or they were on a pitch count. Soft and and so they—I don't remember who it was that I saw a clip and they were like, basically, their org had told him like you're done, like you don't get to pit do anything in the finale or whatever. And then somebody, then he was in the interview. They were like, "Well, Shohei's pitching." They're like. He is like, he's not done. And they're like, no, like they said, his arm's going to be, he's not going to start, but he will be available as a reliever in the finale. And the dude was like, okay, I got to like call our GM because I'm not gonna like, if that's, you know, if that's how they're playing this, then like I'm in boys. And, th- and that's just like, that's honestly what's kind of been missing and the, you kind of feel it with the NBA too a little bit, but like Ugh. the baseball is like, you know, back in the day, you know, you had last night, I watched the Dion 30 for 30 and you know, when he's playing two games in one day, right yeah and it's like he moved from it like he when he was with the Falcons. he signed with the braves specifically so that way he could play both without having to move and it was like he didn't care what his body he was going to play both games and yeah. yes like but now dude there's players doing more like what do they call it the load management yeah crap than he did in the month of september when he was playing two professional sports at one time and, and, get, like, and, got, get, and it's like, get, oh, it's like, here's these baseball players. And it's like, oh, you know, they're out here. It's like, I, I'm not going to play more than 120 games. Like, dude, if, if you, that is what you feel like your season is too long. If you have to limit the number of games that players can actively play in because you're worried about what it's going to do to their body. But it or isn't, too, it's right? like, like it's, it's, but your, it isn't just like, just play. It's just play. It's your job. And, and you it's your job. And I when it. you like, if I you can, can take, take a night off as a player, then I will take some off as a fan. And that's why the the can, intensity's not there.
1: I can take PTO at my job. I get that. But like, I don't get six months off in a year. You know, I don't get, I, I have to show up to work 12 months out of the year. Baseball players like, yeah, it's a grind for six months. And then you if you want to, to pay like a jillion
0: dollars. Yeah. So
1: just, just stop it. Just stop it. Stop it. Um, another thing I would like people to stop. I would like, I mean, Mark Pope made some comments about NIL. And he said that BYU was was I don't, I don't even remember how he said it, but effectively that BYU was not as competitive as they are going to need to be in order to to win in the Big Twelve or to get the players that he wants. And the full quote offers a little bit more context than like the headlines and the articles.
0: It was a it was a little dramatic.
1: It, it just felt dramatic. Like I don't think that it was as whiny as the the headlines would make it sound. But it was one of those things that it's like, dude, on the heels of the season that you just had, you cannot look at NIL and make that like the focal point of your exit press conference for the season. You had so many issues on that team from scheme and you had players getting suspended and you had all kinds of things, right, that like happened throughout the course of the year. NIL should be the last thing that you're worried about. I get that it's important, and sure, like, let's, let's get TRB. Let's, let's hope that uh, the collective is able to do more and that BYU is more competitive, but it felt soft. It felt like a soft cop-out to even really talk about it as, like, a pain point. It's something right. that BYU can improve upon, but it's also something that relative to half of the schools in the WCC – BYU is worlds ahead of where those schools are, so it, it's give and take. Now I get it in the Big Twelve. BYU is not going to have those advantages over schools like Pepperdine and LMU that just don't have the fan base. But BYU was losing games to schools like Pepperdine and LMU this year who were
0: disadvantaged. So dude, like freaking UVU is in the semifinals of the NIT. Right. What NIL money does UVU have to go out and buy players? Right. And they beat and us twice in a row. And they did and two players that we said we were too that were too good. We're we don't need you. You're right. garbage. We don't need you. Go play at UVU. And then they beat us twice.
1: And that's what I found so frustrating. Oh my goodness. What I found so frustrating about it is, like when you're on the heels of a season that you don't even get selected for the NIT. Just shut up and get to work. Just yeah. shut up and get to work. I
0: mean, it was very telling that people, when they made the announcement that they were having a press press conference, uh, the SID had to send out a follow up email to all of the media members saying, "This is a routine end of season press conference. A change is not being made." That was because weird people timing. were like, "People, if were it's like,
1: routine, oh, don't shoot. do it on the opening day of the NCAA tournament, right at stupid. noon,
0: right when the it's kicking." tipping off but it's like, people weird. like well shoot are we gonna pull the trigger on on pope did we get the yeah. wrong mark here is mark madsen's going deep is, you know stanford's talking to him is this kind of like yeah maybe we want to give him another year which we talked about right like how hot is his seat does he probably needs one more year but it's if you feel like madsen's gonna be the guy so we can't like we th- that was a legitimate conversation that multiple people had and it wasn't yeah. you know just like random speculation it was you know it was to the point where they were following up with reporters and saying, "Hey, don't, don't, don't worry. This is not a big deal."
1: Right, and and so this, I mean, I, I don't want to turn this into like a, "Hey, Mark Pope needs to be out," and and what a crappy season. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, but on a, it, it's like 2017, right? Kalani has this awful year, terrible, terrible year by any standard that BYU has. He just shut up and got to work. He fired his coaches, he hired Jeff Grimes, he goes out and makes recruiting changes and he just got to work. Like he knew that no- nothing he could have said to the media or to fans was going to suddenly make everybody go like, "Oh, so that's why 2017 happened." Like, "No, like just you it's your job to fix it, so fix it." And, yeah. I, and that's where I got with Mark Pope on this is it's like I I hear you and I hope that NIL Changes, you know. I hope that BYU go. Like, I hope they find a bag of a billion dollars for Bronny James, and they could go get him. Like, I hope all of those things happen. But I don't want to hear you talk about it. I want you to just get your job done. And, well, and, and that's, that's the
0: thing is, I feel like there's plenty of talent. Like, I we had plenty of talent to make the NIT this year. It was not playing well. It was not playing together. Yeah, right. Like you had, there were guys who can play. They just. Did not play good and, and they and did not it was nowhere near as right? potential like if it was we had maxed out our potential and you know we maxed out our potential and so with what we had and it was like well we could not possibly do better than this it's like okay yeah then it's you know but when it's like dude your team was only playing at like maybe 60 percent of what they could have even with what you got mm-hmm. don't tell me that it's an nil problem because i mean obviously you're not going to run perfection but it was like you know you don't <clears throat> you can't tell i mean when you look at like what how foos and atiki ali atiki played this year how dallin hall played sparingly and the amount of minutes that he got towards developing him right you know there's a lot of guys who you expected to make a jump and have not made a jump and it, so it's, you're like it's tough and when it's you know not every guy's going to make the jump some guys they cap out early as a freshman and that's you know or that's it and they're just role players you know like back to when we're talking about Lopini Katoa, I mean, yeah, it's football, but like he wasn't oh, exactly like Zach celius
1: right? Like he came yeah. on as a freshman and it was like, Whoa, this guy's the next big thing. And then his sophomore year was about the same. And it was like, Oh, okay. This is who he is.
0: And All player it is. What is it? Is or Lopini Katoa. It's like, he wasn't better last year than he was as a freshman in 2018, but it was like, you know, he did his thing and he was consistent and he was a solid piece. But when literally the entire roster, when not a single player takes the step forward, that's when you kind of have problems. Like, you know, one, not everyone's going to take the step forward, but when nobody takes the step, then you're kind of concerned a little bit. Yeah. And it was
1: just, it's frustrating. It was, it was, I'm having a hard time with BYU basketball right now just because it feels like the path to improvement is really difficult in the Big 12 conference. We all know that. Yeah. But it just feels like the path that's there. Mark Pope has just not been willing to take that path. And for him to go and have this press conference to talk about how it's NIL that's going to you know help him get there. Like I, I get it. It just sort of feels like that's the get rich quick scheme. Like everybody wants to, you know, sign up for their MLM and be the top guy and have a billion people in their downline. Like that would be great. But the vast majority of people who sign up for an MLM, they don't make any money. Right. Right. And it it feels like, Mark Pope is that guy that just is wanting to get rich right now and not willing to go and take that entry-level job, take your lumps. Like this year, BYU took lumps, but it's hard for me to say that next year is going to be tangibly better because the people taking lumps were Rudy Williams and and Noah Waterman. You know, like it, it's, there was, there not until the end of the year, I guess, but there just wasn't as much investment as I would have liked to see in Richie Saunders and Tanner Toulson and Dallin Hall. Like just, if you're going to take lumps, let them do it. That was what 2017 and 2018 were for BYU football. Like people forget that, that the 2017 sucked, but at least it sucked with pretty much the same roster that was there in 2018, 2019 and into 2020. Like it was largely the same group of guys who were, who were doing that. And I just don't feel like Mark Pope is willing to take that entry level job do the micro work that nobody wants to do and then get promoted and then have success. It feels like he wants to find NIL money and go into the transfer portal and get the guys who are going to win tomorrow. And I I suppose that that should be commended that you're always trying to win immediately right now at the highest levels. But I think that it takes humility. It takes a, a sense of realism especially at BYU, to just look at the look at the, the scenario, look at where you're at, look at your circumstance, and say, look, uh, Kansas State had a remarkable turnaround. They were supposed to be terrible this year, and now they're in the Elite Eight, and they're doing it on the backs of, of almost entirely transfers. That's not the situation that BYU is ever going to find themselves in. They cannot go and get 10 uber-athletic transfer guys who have no ties to the program, no ties to the state of Utah, and totally renovate their, their roster in a year. That's just not who BYU is or ever will be. Now, can Mark Pope go into the transfer portal and and, and sprinkle in one or two guys each year? Sure. But he's got to have a core of seven, eight dudes that he's developing and, and investing into year over year. And maybe we're getting that. Maybe we're going to see that with Saunders and with Hall and with Foose and Jackson Robinson. But it still feels like it's it's taken four years to get to a maybe. And yeah. uh, I'm struggling with it. I'm just struggling. My my head cannot comprehend why it seems like there's been that reluctance. And then to stand up and, and complain about NIL felt like he's doubling down on the, well, I need my cash to go get those instant, quick, get-rich
0: players. And that's, it's, I mean, like anything, it's, it's a cop out like you got to start with the man in the mirror and um, and you know that it, it's it was frustrating. I, I get that the and it was taken a little bit out of context and it wasn't exactly what it, you know, kind of initially sounded like, but it wasn't much better. Like I but, still yeah, had the just fact like, that it was said, period. I it, it bugs me.
1: That's me. It just felt weird to even talk about it.
0: Yeah. In your exit uh, press
1: conference, where it should just be like, highlight your seniors, thank up for contributions, talk about your coaching staff and how you're
0: going to improve. Like, let's get to work, whatever. Yeah, And yep. it was, well, it was you, you guys need to give me more money. That's it why. just felt tone deaf is what it felt like. And, and that's what when you, people talk about like, well, you know, you guys don't hear, you know, we're a big Kalani apologist. You know, cause there's people who thought Kalani should have been fired after 2017 or 2018 or 2019 or you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah. that it's like, well, okay, it was the off the court stuff. Like Kalani was saying the right things. You know, if your seat is hot, you can get yourself more time by saying the right things. Right. And if you're saying the right things and schmoozing the right people, but when you're kind of pointing the finger at everybody and it's kind of like, oh, well, Well, that doesn't.
1: And the the, the flip side to that, though, I'm glad you brought that up. Kalani's seat was hot. Like we defended him, but his seat was hot. Yeah. And he had to turn it around. And if it weren't for like material progress that you could see. With his quarterbacks, with his roster, with the talent, with the depth, uh, it wouldn't have happened. And he fired coaches, legendary people in BYU to make it happen. And then immediately this year, like people look at Tuiaki, and this is a little bit off topic, but like people look at Tuiaki and are like, oh man, he sucked for seven years. That's just categorically false. He sucked royally bad in 2022. And 2021 had up and down moments, and the downs were really, really sucky. But, like, Kalani made a change when it was objectively like, wow, he sucks week in, week out. This product has sucked. He made an immediate change.
0: He did it pretty quickly into 2022. Well, and he did – he made the change in a way that provided cover for the guy. I mean, he didn't go – like, Lamb didn't – or Lamb went out and got a head coaching job in FCS school after he got right, fired. Right, right. Like, didn't go – I mean, he interviewed and – We thought that it was a done deal. I mean, people were telling us that it was Idaho State was kind of locked up, and it seemed like he was going to go be the head coach in Pocatello. But the, you know, when you he did it in a way where he was still taking heat. I mean, even after the Liberty game, after everything like ECU game, people were like, "Why is he not fired?" hockey? and it's like it already been done. But like he it was, and, and the, the one public thing narrative ever, was still like he, that's why like Kalani was still willing to take the heat and take the blame for everybody and, in his organization.
1: That's, that's what it is. The one thing he didn't do is be like, well, yeah, I'm losing players to NIL. I can't get the guys I want. Like yeah, his message was different. His situation was similar, but his message was different. And the other thing that Kalani had is things were good in 2016. Things got bad in 2017, and then he proved that he can build a program up. 2018 was a little better than 2017. 2019 better than the year before, and then 2020 was great. 2021 was great. Uh Uh-oh, back down in 2022. Kalani's got to build that back up. Right now, we haven't seen a thing from Mark Pope that shows he can build a program up. He started high, was a little less high, was kind of not very high, and now is not very good spot at all. I haven't, he has not in four years, I don't know that he has the benefit of the doubt in my mind to say, oh yeah, I trust him, we'll get this turned around, whatever he's saying, we got it. He's got it under control. Because it's been four years and it's just been a steady decline. Not a steep decline, but a steady decline year over year over year. Yeah. If If basketball takes. I
0: mean, basketball takes. So, I mean, so if I'm assuming that we are going to have a losing record next year because we are going into the toughest conference in America, um, which other basketball news, the Big 12 is obviously they're seeking permission from the NCAA to have a conference wide uh, do basketball camps at Rucker Park in, uh, in New York City, you know, kind of a historical place and getting permission to not only run camps, but also play some streetball, like, uh, you know, a couple streetball, what do you call them, games. The Rucker. Yeah, of of like play some exhibition games amongst the conference things, in addition to doing the conference-wide Pro Day in Dallas that's going to be broadcast on NFL Network, right? Like Brett Yarmark said he wanted to come in and make the league younger and hipper and do things that other people that were not doing. And so far, check, check, check. Mm -hmm. And they... And so, you know, that is something that's cool and different, but if I'm imagine, I think we're going to have a losing record next year, even if Colin Chandler's back from his mission or not, it's going to be tough. And I mean, depending on who you do get out of the portal, I mean, there's some names that are floating around of guys at other schools that may enter the portal that may consider BYU and whatever the, and especially if you're looking at a grad transfer where basketball is so grad transfer heavy, you know, it's not like in the level of schedule that we had this year and the number of P five games we were playing, we were able to pull a guy like Chris Brooks, whereas Mark Pope was not able to do that saying, you're going to go play in the WCC, you know? So there, that, that like, well, the big 12 invite, it means now not quite the same. Um, looking at the schedules that were built and on the table. So, you know, maybe that you do get a couple more in the portal this year, you get some bridge guys, whatever. If next year, it's like we win 10 games all season. Is that you know how much time does Mark Pope need to build a big 12 roster when you have the transfer portal available well, to you? To, it's, yeah. it's not 1990 where you can't guys can't transfer. it's hard to get transfers. you have to identify guys and you need three years to get them in and develop them. That's not the way they basketball especially works anymore. no, where you rentals everywhere. And, and, and so it's like, that's what this year was supposed do pull, to be. Do you pull the trigger next year? Right. Especially. And, and and for me, it's like if Mark Madsen is still coaching at UVU next year and having another great season is going to, and wins the whack next year, then like you almost, it's a weird situation at BYU. And I guess like, I know that Diljeet Taylor is the women's track and field coach and she's not a member. And they've, and Tom Homo has said like, it is never not a requirement. Happen. Like, it will Football and b- men's and basketball,
1: basketball it's never going to happen.
0: I mean it, will it might someday. In the 50s there was a non-LDS head coach um for like a two seasons. But like it would be it's going to have to be a very unique situation and you're going to have to exhaust all other options, right? Like if it came down to where like there legitimately were no college coaches who were LDS and you were uh your only option was hiring I don't even remember his name. Um, who's the dude that was at Lone Peak and then came in as assistant and then left? Oh and was like yeah, Quincy, um, Quincy. Quincy Lewis. Lewis. Yeah, Quincy Lewis. It's like you're literally your best option is promoting Quincy Lewis and like going and getting a high school coach and putting him in charge. Like even then, honestly, BYU wouldn't surprise me if they did it. But like, it would have to be that kind of situation. But where, especially though, if it's like. Well, Stanford is keeping their coach for one more year. Part of that's probably buyout driven. Part of it is probably they're unsure about what their future finances are going to be, you know, because of the uncertainty of their media deal. So if Mark Matson is sitting at UVU and there's an active LDS coach who's won back-to-back conference titles, had great deep season, you know, tourney runs, they have like, you're going to pull the trigger. Like maybe you pull the trigger and it's different at BYU because your limited talent pool, you cannot just fire a guy and go hire someone else. You yep. have to not only look at, well, who, who are we going to replace him with? That's the big thing when Kalani people like fire Kalani, it's like, well, okay. Other than Ken N, who do you have? Who are you going to make a first time head coach again? That's LES. The flip side of basketball though, here is like, you do have a guy. Do you can't let Mark Matson get away, you know, and you can't let him go to his alma mater where it's going to be hard to pry him back. And so it, it's a weird thing that'll be interesting to follow. But Jeff, it's been a good episode. Uh, we didn't get into realignment. We had it on the agenda. We scrapped it. The only the only realignment bit we have is our boy MHV or three. Our There's bastion, our king! The source is telling me Big 12 plans to extend acceptance to Gonzaga following NCAA tournament. Possibly three East Coast teams as well, but those three not as far as long as the Zags are. This is uh. a perfect thing because when Stuart Mandel was on BYU Sports Nation, a couple weeks ago or last week, he yeah. was like, it's a few days. He's like, g- he basically said, everyone knows Gonzaga, the Big 12, done deal after the tournament. Dude, so MH. he makes the nugget that's already reported and, and then, then he, adds yeah. something ridiculous. That's like, see, but I got this extra inside. Bro, and it, then, and then it never happens. And, but he's like, no, see, look, I told you Gonzaga. So I know some stuff because I told you Gonzaga's going to the big 12.
1: If Bernie
0: Madoff
1: was as talented as MH for three, he never would have gone to prison, man. I mean, this is the ultimate con it's layers upon layers. I don't even hate it anymore. He is our King of this show. MH for life Gonzaga and possibly three other teams. You heard it from him first, folks. He's the guy
0: and heard it from us. Second. Goodbye. <laughs>